can by calling 888-760-3776. It's Ken LaVica Live. Presented by FAU MBA and Sport Management Program. Here's Ken LaVica and Chris Coquel. Take Coquel's name out your mouth, deep voice guy. He's on vacation. Leave him alone. Ken Levick alive here on ESPN 106.3. Uh, something happened yesterday uh, during the afternoon with, uh, with an all-time great athlete where uh, I saw it and uh, it was not good and it legitimately saddened me because it truly feels like the end of an era. Uh, Ken Levick alive featuring Coquel Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts uh, as well. Subscribe to it, rate it, uh, put it in your pocket. And enjoy it every single day. It's posted mere minutes after we wrap up every day at 1 o'clock here on Ken Levicka Live. Uh, so yesterday at Wimbledon, we saw what appears to be the true beginning of the end for Roger Federer. Uh, that was really, really bad. Uh, his performance yesterday, he gets mopped in straight sets uh, by Hubert uh, Hubert Herkax. He is a Polish player that I'd never heard of before. Apparently, he was the 14 seed in Wimbledon. I had no idea. But Federer loses 6 3, 7 6, 6 0. I mean, it was a complete throttling, it was a complete pounding. And Federer, who has the greatest forehand, arguably, in the history of tennis, he couldn't hit it yesterday. He looked old, he looked slow, he looked bad, he looked past his prime. I suppose he looked injured. I know he's been battling injuries. He says he's healthy. It's why he didn't play in the French Open. He decided to leave early so that he could get himself ready for Wimbledon. And he flames out in the quarterfinals. And now it definitely appears as if it's it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when Novak Djokovic is going to uh, win one more Grand Slam, which could happen in just a couple of days, could be Wimbledon, probably will be Wimbledon, to match the all-time Grand Slam record of Federer and Nadal, and then eventually you've got to think Djokovic is passing both of them as well. Uh, Federer looked like a guy who is on his way out. And I know he's had a couple of different... Uh, streaks in the last couple of years where he looked like he was down and out and then uh, was able to make comebacks and was able to pick off a couple of grand slams. But now, like that, between him at the French Open, leaving early, not looking competitive, him at Wimbledon yesterday, looking completely washed, like a a total shell of his former self, that was sad. That That was the first time in a long time that I have watched a great athlete and been sad at what I saw because he's not the same, and he won't be the same, and it definitely seems like he is at the end of the road. But when has there been an athlete that has declined so badly that it has saddened you to see them basically on their last legs, like Roger Federer was yesterday at Wimbledon? When is a time you have seen an athlete that has looked so depleted that it's legitimately saddened you as a fan? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And again on the Twitter, at ESPN West Palm. You know the drill. Um, me, late Wizards Michael Jordan. I, I didn't know how to handle it when Michael Jordan put on a Wizards uniform. That was just flat out weird. And he uh, had some good moments, but then... 
near the end, and there's the story of him on the Wizards team bus uh, telling or asking Doug Collins, hey, if I'm, if, if I'm not able to do it anymore, if you think I'm not able to do it anymore, would you, would you tell me? Would you let me know? Like, that's, that's sad. And late, hobbly, Michael Jordan, heavier Michael Jordan, not, not able to move as well Michael Jordan. Like, that was sad. That was sad near the end. I felt the same way, too, about Dwayne Wade when he went off to Chicago. I don't know if you remember when Dwayne Wade left the Heat, went to Chicago. I mean, he lost the ability to jump, like completely lost the ability to jump, couldn't dunk anymore, was missing dunks in transition, was just sort of embarrassing himself. In Cleveland, it was bad. In Chicago, it was bad. And I know he had a rebirth once he came back to the Heat, and that was awesome. And that's a great exclamation point to his career. But it was sad. It was sad to watch what became of Dwayne Wade once he left Miami. And he was old, and he was breaking down, and that had been happening for quite some time, but it really culminated in that run with the Bulls. It was, it was so sad to watch. I mean, Dan Marino, 62-7. to He had had a decent playoff game in the win over Seattle the week before, and then goes to Jacksonville and looked like he had never played the position before. I mean, the, the game was over. It was 35 to nothing after like 40 seconds. I mean, that was a disaster. That's the ultimate sadness. A guy who did so much, revolutionized the position like Dan Marino did, but doesn't win a Super Bowl. But then at the end, 62-7 to is the last we see of him on a football field. That sucks. That might be, for, you know, Federer, that made me sad yesterday to see him not able to do anything on the grass of the All-England Club. But Dan Marino, walking off the field, defeated 62-7 on the wrong end of that to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like That might be the saddest that I've seen. When is an athlete's decline made you the saddest? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And again, get on Twitter, at ESPN West Palm. Uh, let's tell you about Greenway Kia, West Palm Beach. They're not going to make you sad. They're not declining. In fact, they're just getting started at Greenway Kia, West Palm Beach. It's where I bought my Kia K5 GT. And, uh, man, this week has been hectic. There is just a lot going on. Kids and life and work and responsibilities. And, uh, honestly, (laughs) the highlight of my days has been getting in that gorgeous Kia K5 GT that I can just zip around South Florida in and, 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 and make sure that I'm getting where I need to be, making sure that I am uh, getting my kids safely to where they need to be, but also it's just fun. And it, it wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for Greenway Kia, West Palm Beach. I thought a car like that was out of my price range, and I walk in and they say, Ken, we're going to help you. We're going to try and get you financed here. We're going to try and make this happen. Well, guys, I don't have the greatest credit. It's all right. It's all right. Sit down. That's the experience you're going to have at Greenway Kia, West Palm Beach, whether it is Mike or George or any of their outstanding staff that's helping you over there. They're going to get you taken care of. The credit clinic, I tell you about it all the time. If you or anyone in your family has ever had any type of credit problem, Greenway Kia, West Palm Beach is hosting a credit clinic. Local bank representatives are on site giving special approval to consumers who meet minimum criteria if you have a job that brings some 350 dollars a week you're in they're going to find you an automobile they're going to find you a way to leave the lot at greenway kia west palm beach with a car you can take home a new 2021 kia forte zero down payment for only 265 a month and here's the best part you mentioned this ad that i'm a, i'm i'm reading to you right now 
on Ken LeVick Alive, and you can receive a flat-screen TV with your new Kia purchase. How real is that? And get out of your old gas guzzler into a fuel-efficient new Kia at Greenway Kia at West Palm Beach. Save yourself money. They're going to save you money buying the car, then they're going to save you money at the gas pump as well. That's Greenway Kia West Palm Beach. Go to GreenwayKiaWestPalmBeach.com or just simply pop into their beautiful dealership right off Military, right near PBI in West Palm Beach. That's Greenway Kia West Palm Beach. Greenway Kia West Palm Beach. Uh, I told you we were going to have some story time, and now we're going to have some story time. He is the uh, man in charge of the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. He is my good friend for damn near a decade now, whether he likes it or not. And he's Dr. Jim Reardon, and he joins us here on Ken Levick Alive. Dr. Reardon, uh, thank you so much for, uh, for for hanging out. And as always, thank you for uh, for having the FAU MBA Sport Management Program as the title sponsor of the show. But when uh, the Islanders went out, in uh, the uh, the conference finals, and I was thinking Nassau Coliseum. I'm like, wait a minute. Dr. Reardon's worked in every sports venue uh, north of Nashville. Uh, I, he's, <laughs> he had to have been at the Nassau Coliseum, and you did work at the Nassau Coliseum, right? When did this happen? Yeah, Ken, thanks for having me, and uh, it's been a decade, huh? Wow. <laughs> I know. I know. It seems like yeah. 30 years. I know. I know. I have that effect Ex- on people. Exactly. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. But anyway... Uh, yeah, um, actually, I worked there on two separate occasions. Um, I got my start in the sport management business or the sport industry by becoming an usher uh, at age 16. I lied about my age. Some people lie about their age to get into the Army. <laughs> I lied about my age to get to be an usher at Shea Stadium and Madison Square Garden. And Nassau Coliseum uh, was one of those. I started there in 1978. Uh, my first event there uh, working as an usher uh, it was a Jackson Brown concert. It was the first concert I ever, I'd ever been to. Uh, and years later, uh, coming back, um, uh, when I had been in the industry, I'd been in Philadelphia, I'd been uh, um, uh, and, and left the Spectrum to get an MBA at St. John's, and then worked a little bit for Naira and the New York Racing Association uh, as an investigator, uh, Belmont Park and Saratoga. And it was okay, but I was the only non-ex-cop there. Uh, and there was that fraternity there. They weren't mean. They weren't rude. But I was looking for something else. And yeah. um, two two former friends, well, no, uh, two former colleagues, and one was my professor at St. John's uh, in stadium and arena management and also uh, eventually became my boss at the Coliseum. Um, and, uh, you know, they said, hey, we got a position here. So they brought me on. Um, and I was back in, in the arena business as an event coordinator. But the, the, the gentleman that brought me back uh, is the reason why I got into facility management and is also the reason why I got into teaching, because he was my professor at St. John's, Lance Elder. Oh, all right. So it sort of, it sort of yep. molded your future there. And, you know, my, my, the, the NASA Coliseum is fascinating to me, and I'll, I'll tell you my experience with it. So uh, with FAU basketball, there was a couple of years span where they would go play Hofstra, and so that's right across the street from the Nassau Correct. Coliseum. And so every time we were there, it's December. So it's cloudy and it's depressing. And it's just that part of Long Island is strip malls and Coliseum and parking lots. And then the university. Like that that's what it is. And it, it was just always so this was before the renovation in 2015. So it's like white dingy arena against a white cloudy background. And it's cold. And you're like, man, is this just the most depressing? But I also feel like that gave it a little bit of the charm uh, and, and why people loved it as well, because it was so intimate it was so old and it was just theirs yeah um that part of uh, long island will never be uh, confused with the hamptons <laughs> um you know uh you're, you're right on about the cloudy day and uh, you know the 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 white building and back in 70 72 when it opened um uh, the the nice uh cement was nice and white nice and bright 
but no, it was there, and you know, it was it opened in '72, and and that area that you were in there was all part, and in, including the Hostra piece, the Hostra uh, landscape was a uh, an Air Force base. It was called Mitchell Field, and it was an Air Force base in World War II, uh, and they housed planes there. Uh, you can still see some airplane hangars there. In fact, one of the uh, tenants, the New York Arrows indoor soccer team, used to practice in a converted airplane hangar. Oh. Uh, they eventually put in for Nassau County Hockey uh, an ice rink in one of the hangars. So yeah, they uh, they made good use of it. The original the original piece was uh, supposed to be seven buildings, supposed to be a concert hall, a performance hall, and everything else. And money got tight, and uh, you know, as uh, you know, Billy Joel said, and uh, uh, they won, and they just wound up having a, a very nice arena that opened in 1972, but was unfinished. Um, you know, seats were missing. Um, you know, they they built it without a hockey press box. You know, you have an NHL team coming in and the Islanders, and oops, we forgot a hockey <laughs> press box. So what what they did was they had to take the last few rows in the upper deck, the upper level. It's only two levels, and they had to make it like a lot of times you see with auxiliary press boxes for the postseason in baseball and in hockey and basketball. They had to screw tables underneath uh, in, into the cement, and th- that became the press box. Uh, you know, it was certainly rudimentary, and they had to take him out after each game because those seats were sold for other events. That is so that wild. was one of the challenging aspects. Yeah, there was no hockey press box. There was no suites. Um, the concourse, and this isn't just um, akin to the Nassau Coliseum, but back in those days when they were building arenas, uh, they didn't make, uh, you know, they, they were all concentrated on the inside. They really didn't concern themselves about the outer concourse. So you had the Spectrum in Philadelphia, you had the Nassau Coliseum, you had the Capitol Center in Landover, Maryland, where the Capitals and the Bullets played, all very tight concourses. So, you know, you could be at a sold-out Islander game in, you know, Game 6 in the 1980s Cup Finals, uh, or you could be at, you know, Mickey Mouse Goes to the Moon with Disney on Ice, (laughs) and during intermission, you couldn't tell which event you were at, which is really bad. And, you know, they didn't have, uh, they didn't have uh, you know, the restroom situation wasn't too well. Uh, you know, um, it, it wasn't very easy. And then after a while, many years later, they started converting men's rooms into ladies' rooms, uh, depending on the, the crowd demographics for the event. Um, so, um, but up until then, uh, when the, the line got too long at the ladies' rooms, when I, when I was there, uh, the ladies had no problems going into the men's room yep. and uh, d- doing whatever has to be done there. And guess what? If all the stalls were taken, no problem. That's right. Um, made ver- very interesting use of the sinks and the uh-huh. urinals. Survival I'll, I'll mode. Just, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. A- exactly. Yes. <laughs> Dr. Jim Reardon, FAU MBA Sport Management Program head with us here on uh, Ken Levick Alive. And again, the FAU MBA Sport Management Program, that's what brings you Ken Levick Alive. Uh, and, and so we're talking Nassau Coliseum because, again, the Islanders are leaving. Uh, Coquel is a, is a big Islander, Islanders guy, and I know there's a bunch of just New Yorkers in general who have a special affinity for the Nassau Coliseum. And you're a perfect guy to talk to here just a couple more uh what what are so, what is the the weirdest thing in the, the time you worked there what's the weirdest thing that you were asked to do uh or the time where you're like this is just bizarre when you worked at nassau coliseum well i actually have two things if i can get them in okay. um and then i have a personal story but uh one was at the end of a, a, a wrestling match um i was uh we were walking around and you know the house the house the crowd was going out and uh came on the radio that uh, a certain female wrestler uh, needed towels in her dressing room. So 
I picked it up. I was near where, you know, we had towels and we had a count amount because we charged all the events for towels and yeah. this and that. Uh, it's that, that in itself is a story, but, um, I go to the, um, I go to the, um, the dressing room and I knocked on the door and, you know, I, I now know why this, this woman asked for towels because literally there was absolutely no towels in the dressing room. Um, and there wasn't much else in the dressing room either. So there, this woman opens the door, um, and I guess uh, I was bringing the cover-up that she was going to wear uh, with these towels. And um, she expected me to come in and, I guess, put the towels around her. (laughs) Um, And I I said, you know, I'm going to take a pass on that. Um, I could see my career passing through my eyes at the age of 37 uh, or 27 at the time. Um, so th- that was one thing. Yeah, I mean, I actually had a, uh, a naked wrestling star asking me to help with towels. Wait, who uh, was then, it? Who was it? Um, it's, it's now she's now passed on. It was uh, 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 Sherry Martell. Oh, oh, oh man, yes. that is a that yes. is a great story. I love that. Yes. Classy lady, very nice, but I guess that, you know, they were just used to that. I mean, it wasn't a big deal. I mean, that that was the whole thing. And then, Uh, you know, in in 1987, um, you know, we, uh, Howard Stern uh, was very popular at the time, still on linear, still on over the air network, um, uh, decided to do his first uh, arena show called U.S. Open Source. It was uh, October 6, 1989, excuse me. And we were all nervous because he was coming out for a meeting with us. And hearing Howard on the radio, we're saying, man, this guy's going to rip us. He's going to you know, do, be demanding. He's going to be tough. And, you know, we're all nervous. We're sweating. we got all these people. And he's bringing all this cast with him. He's bringing Gary Delabody, mm-hmm. uh, Baba Booey, mm-hmm. Robin Quivers, Jackie Martlin, Stuttering John. Yeah. They were all there. I said, we're going we're gonna to get smeared here. <laughs> And comes in, and Ken, the quietest guy in the room, was Howard Stern. <laughs> he, he just sat there and smiled. Yep. It was it, it's sort of like John McEnroe when he when he's off the court, quiet and an unassuming this and that. So basically, comes the show, and he he's doing a lot of things. He had, he had um, he had Grandpa from the Munsters, Al Lewis involved. <laughs> um, he had uh, some hypnotist guy. Jessica Hahn, who was a church secretary on Long Island uh, and, in North Massapequa, right across from my grammar school, by the way, uh, she got involved in a national uh, sex uh, church scandal thing. Uh, Kimberly Taylor, one of the pen, and they were all there doing crazy stuff. And one of the items was uh, hot oil wrestling. Uh-huh. Okay, <laughs> and that was going to end end the show. So my, myself and the other event coordinator sitting in our office were right right off the stage, right in the back, watching this on TV. And all of a sudden, whether he wanted it or not, Howard invites the entire floor section onto the stage to be involved in the hot oil wrestling. <laughs> and like idiots, me and this guy ran out there, not thinking that it was all a ploy. So we get up there, and we try start pulling people off the female wrestlers, uh-huh. and we wound up like grabbing the female wrestlers and pulling them off each other, but we couldn't hold on, so they kept slipping <laughs> and were sliding all over the place, and um, I actually got in like 11 seconds uh, into the U.S. Open Source video that they were making, <laughs> oh, man. me trying to pull off uh, female wrestlers. I, yeah. I have known Dr. Reardon for so long, and I never knew he was a part of Howard Stern Hot Oil Wrestling at the Nassau Coliseum. Yeah. That is awesome. That's it. 
Oh, I love that. Uh, Dr. Reardon, uh, that is really, really good stuff. And I appreciate it because when, uh, you know, we're just trying to look for some some different things here to uh, to appeal to all of the different uh, sports fans here in uh, Palm Beach County and the Treasure Coast. And those are great stories that I think that uh, a lot of people can relate to down here. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you for all you do as always. And thanks for uh, for hanging out with us uh, and uh, and doing a little Nassau Coliseum story time. Appreciate you. Absolutely. I got a million of them. <laughs> well, we'll do a part two at some point, okay? Absolutely, Ken. Thanks so much. All right, Dr. Jim Reardon, again, the head of the FAU MBA Sport Management Program, fau.edu slash MBA Sport. That's fau.edu slash MBA Sport. And maybe he'll tell you more stories like when he had a hot oil wrestling with Howard Stern and that whole crew at the Nassau Coliseum. That is absolutely sensational. Um, uh, I want to, before we go to break, tell you about the Boca Raton Bowl. Speaking of FAU, the RoofClaim.com Boca Raton Bowl is going to be December 18th, 11 a.m. at FAU Stadium. Last year, Zach Wilson, BYU, they came in and beat the all-living hell out of UCF. I mean, that was a clinic. Now he's the number two overall pick and soon to be starting quarterback of the New York Jets. Who's going to be the star this year? You're going to have to find out. Brunch and ball at uh, FAU, December 18th, 11 a.m. on ESPN. It's the RoofClaim.com Boca Raton Bowl. RoofClaimBocaRatonBowl.com, RoofClaimBocaRatonBowl.com, and a special shout-out to the executive director of the RoofClaim.com, Boca Raton Bowl, Doug Mosley, who happens to be our barbecue insider here on Ken Levick Alive. Good Lord, this is a weird show. He's Joe Rigotti. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3.